And now it's uh, my great pleasure to uh, introduce uh, our speaker this morning, Jason Ban, who is no stranger here because uh, he grew up in this church. Um, he's, he's attended here longer than me. <laughs> I didn't get to start meet Jason until I was about 12, so uh, he's got a few more years on me than that being here in this congregation. But it is our privilege as somebody who spent a lot of time donating their time and working here as a family in our church to see him then be called on to the mission field and have him share with us this morning. And with that, we assess that Jason and Aaron. Looks like they're both going to come up. So, So actually, he's the big name, but you get to listen to me first. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having us here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know us, we're Jason and Aaron Ban, and we have five children, Katie, Griffin, Akila, Kira, and Evangeline. And right now, everybody lines up really nicely, so they <laughs> range in age from 16 all the way down to 8, 16, 14, 12, 10, 8. Um, that happens for a few months every year, and then... We're back into the chaos. Um, we were sent out from this church in 2015 initially to attend a year and a half of training with Ethnos Canada. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Ethnos Canada, um, it's a mission organization. The Canadian head office is located in Durham, Ontario, and they have a heart and a passion to reach the unreached people groups of the world. Um, uh, one of the hallmarks, I think, of Ethnos Canada, um, which will become important as we kind of go through what we're going to be talking about today, um, is that they really focus on foundational Bible teaching. Um, so starting from ground zero and laying a firm foundation on which can be built a strong structure of faith. How many of you here today have building experience? <laughs> yeah, I know there's lots of you. <laughs> Um, so you guys know that if the foundation is not strong, then the structure that goes on top of it is also not going to be strong. Um, the foundation is really key, and that's, and that's part of really the, the trademark or the hallmark of Ethnos and um, what they're passionate about. So following training, we were sent overseas to North Asia um, for two years. That was in a creative access context. You might hear us refer to it as business as mission and sometimes as engagement platforms. So we really use those three terms very interchangeably. Um, we returned on February 29th to Canada of 2020 um, <laughs> and promptly got stuck here uh, for an indeterminate period of time. Uh, mostly that was for business reasons, but there were also, um, as we've been stuck here, there's been some other things that have come to light and have um, prohibited us at this time from returning to that field of service. So we were privileged to share here. I was trying to think of when exactly that was. It was late winter and early spring, and we talked about how it felt like for the years of the pandemic, the Lord had us in a hallway in our ministry. Um, I was thinking this morning about the hallway, and I remember that 
actually C.S. Lewis used that illustration of the hallway, that the Christian life is often like a hallway, and um, the rooms off the hallway, maybe they're a church that you're attending at or you're serving in, or a ministry that you've been called to, or a job placement that you have where you're walking through something with a coworker. Um, the hallway is not where the living happens. The living and the smiling and the laughing and the crying happen in the rooms. But sometimes we find ourselves in the hallway. Um, and what, what is the hallway for? What does it do for us as believers? Um, one of the things that I think that we really learned in our years in the hallway was who owns the house. <laughs> um, sometimes that's so hard to remember, right? We think that we can choose where we are going, but who really owns the house that this hallway is in? Um, we were reminded over the last two years that it is, oh, so, so truly the Lord that owns the house. And he can open the doors that he chooses to open, and he can close the doors that he chooses to close, and he has the right and the prerogative to do that because he owns the house. We have also learned in these years in the hallway, uh, we have been reminded. <laughs> I'm sure that there will be many more times through our lives where we will need to learn this lesson again. But we have been reminded that our worth is not found in which room we are in. Our worth is found in the fact that we are in the house. We are part of the house, the body of Christ. Um, my worth is not in what I own, but in the precious blood of Christ alone. That's been a good lesson to remember. Um, we have also found in this time in the hallway that hallways are really good for losing anticipation and for gaining new anticipation. <laughs> Sometimes, how many of you have gone through a transition where you needed time to process that before you were ready for the next thing? I have many times in my life. <laughs> um, and a hallway is really good for that. It takes you out of a field of active service, and it gives you time to work through what the Lord is doing in your life, and then he opens the door. There was quite a significant period of time in the hallway where we were thinking that maybe the door was only at the end of the hallway, <laughs> like the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> there were no doors that were going to open off the hallway, and we had to come to a place that that was okay if that was the only door that opened for us, the one right through into glory, that's okay. Um, I think many of you will remember when we shared um, back in the early spring that we were talking about how spring was often a time of transition for us because it was a time where we had to decide for the next year whether we were going to open a door and go into a room or whether we were going to stay in the hallway or what we were going to do and how that was going to lay out. And um, following that time that we presented here earlier this spring, um, we had a meeting with our leadership at Ethnos Canada, and um, at that time, it was firmly decided from our leadership that we would not be returning to North Asia at that time, at this time. Um, there are a lot of reasons for that, and we could take time to unpack them this morning, but it would probably take longer than the whole sermon time uh, for us to do that. Um, so just suffice it to say, we're happy for you to ask us questions about that if you want to know more about why that decision was made. Um, I didn't know until that meeting that I was still hoping that that door might be open. 
Um, and now it's not. So we're in the hallway. <laughs> or we were. Um, so one of the things that I think is important to do, that we think it's important to do as we face times of transition in our lives and we face times where it seems like the Lord is silent, is to go back and to remember the truths that he has already shared with us. What has he already told us? <laughs> One, of course, is that our worth is found in Christ alone, not what room we're in. We can also look back over the last two years in the hallway and recognize that God did open some doors for us. Maybe they weren't the doors that we were expecting him to open or hoping that he would open or sometimes even praying that he would open, but he has opened doors for us. And these are the doors that as we reflect on the last couple of years, we can see that he has opened for us. The next slide, Griff. Um, number one, <laughs> because in North Asia we were involved in a creative access context, a businesses missions context, um, we have more experience than some people in our organization <laughs> in this particular context, and that has allowed Jason in particular to continue to be in the conversation at an organizational level, even at an international level, um, about how Ethnos is going to handle engagement platforms or creative access contexts. And that has been hard, but it has also been really encouraging um, to see that the Lord has allowed us to stay in that conversation. That's been pretty cool. Uh, another open door for Jason, he's um, been able to walk through the door of continuing his education to get a Master's of Business Administration. And part of that is so that he has some credibility to continue to speak into that international conversation. Um, that has been something that has come up, that has been provided for, um, where we can see that the Lord has really led us to a specific university and a specific program for a specific reason. Um, it has been a door that he has opened, and we have been privileged to walk through that. Jason's also been able to continue working locally. Um, in Canada, mostly up in the Durham area, but some with other supporters around Ontario, and that has been um, a blessing of provision for our family. <laughs> Who knew if you have a company in a different country and then it kind of fails through COVID, that's fairly costly. So um, it's been a good way for us to, um, to make some of that money back, which has been very helpful. Um, it has also been a good way for us to not isolate ourselves in a ministry context and to continue to function in um, the real world, I don't know, <laughs> uh, a context that just makes sense to, to people who are in business contexts. Um, and so that's been very, a blessing for us as well. Um, I've, through these last two years, I've been able to teach at the academy at Ethnos, and that has been... Um, sharpening and honing those teaching skills that I do love and um, love to be engaged in. And, and I know that as we go forward into our next room of service, that um, teaching is going to be part of my job description. So I've been very privileged to be part of that for the last couple of years. Okay. In our hallway, we have also <laughs> realized this has been a clarifying time for us. It's been something that's helped us to understand what we're passionate about and what the Lord has specifically called our family to. Um, as you know, just as members of this church, there are so many ministries in this church. Can any one person be engaged in all of them? 
that's okay. <laughs> we don't all have to be, right? We are all gifted for a particular way and a particular ministry and something that the Lord puts on our hearts that we're particularly passionate about, and that's great. That's how he builds the body. If we were all hands, where would the body be? If we were all feet, where would the body be? So what has been the clarifying that has come out of our hallway? Well, we have realized that we have a heart for the national church. <laughs> now, that does also include the Canadian national church. It also really includes national churches in overseas contexts, particularly creative access contexts, which are in general contexts where there's limited accessibility for Westerners, but there is a functioning national church. And we are passionate about that. We care about it a lot. Um, we have also discovered that we really want to continue in the engagement platforms world. That is uh, not an easy decision, <laughs> maybe, but it is, it is the right one for our family. That's what we're passionate about. That's what the heart that the Lord has given us. Um, out of our work in our church overseas, we developed a heart for discipleship. Um, we had the unique privilege as English speakers um, to be able to disciple our worship team for a period of time. I was teaching them English lessons, but because I was also teaching them English lessons with a view that they were going to go and present in sort of a, a Christian context in an English-speaking world, um, I got to do some really cool things with them and uh, build some foundations into into their sort of rocky foundation of faith. And um, discipleship is really fun. We really enjoy that. Um, so we are passionate about discipleship. And we also, um, in our time in the hallway, have never been released to leave Ethnos Canada. <laughs> um, some of you have asked us that. When you see the things that we're passionate about and you know the ministry of Ethnos Canada and you can recognize that those two things are having trouble fitting together. Um, <laughs> and you have asked us, why don't you just leave the organization? I was thinking about that today, and I thought um, I could share a story of back when Jason and I were dating. <laughs> uh, we dated for, some of you will know this, we dated for four years before we got married, and about two years in, it was like, I don't really know if I like this. <laughs> We were both feeling it. <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully, we had some really good people in our lives who encouraged us to take that to the Lord. And neither of us ever felt released to get out of that relationship. And here we are. <laughs> A couple weeks ago, we were married for 20 years, and we have five children, and the Lord has been in that. We weren't released. Okay. So now he's telling us that we're not released from Ethnos Canada. Okay, Lord, <laughs> you've done this before, and we've seen it. And we know that there may be hard times, and that's okay. You're in the hard times. Um, we will continue to walk the path you're t telling us to walk. Okay, um, so we've gone through the hallway. <laughs> we will be back in the hallway again, I am quite confident. <laughs> but for now... The Lord is opening a door for us out of the hallway. And we are very thankful. We're very humbled. Um, we're very privileged. <laughs> and this is another bit of a story. Um, so I referenced that meeting that we had with our leadership earlier in the spring. And uh, 
they told us at the end of the meeting we had given them, okay, we're not going back to North Asia, but here's a couple of options that we can think of. And they said to us, okay, we're gonna, we want you to take two weeks and we want you to really, really pray about those options. <laughs> Both of us came away from the meeting and we're like, what do you think we've been doing? <laughs> like, really? Oh, pray. Oh, yes, what a great idea. Um, anyway, as, yeah. <laughs> as we started into that time of, of prayer, of, of concerted prayer, um, I really felt like the Lord was saying to me, stop. And it is unusual for the Lord to tell you to stop praying. <laughs> but he was saying to me, stop. You have asked me this so many times. There is an answer. It's just not here yet. Okay. <laughs> okay, Lord. Um, and so through it, we just went to him and we rested in him and we remind ourselves of the truth that he's got this. And if we're in the hallway forever and then we die, okay, that's fine. Um, and about, actually, it was more like three weeks after our meeting with leadership, um, we got a phone call from one of the men on the um, executive leadership team. And he said, I just want you to know, I've been thinking about you guys, I just want you to know, if you would like a position with Establish, then it's yours. Oh, okay. So, what's Establish? <laughs> what's Establish? Well, it turns out, um, a number of years ago, uh, and Dave and Deb know this couple because they were in Papua New Guinea, um, but there was a couple who was serving with Ethnos Canada in Papua New Guinea, Dave and Judy Wright, and um, five years ago, seven years ago, something like that, uh, they came back to Canada and much like ourselves, thought they were returning overseas and um, the doors were closing to that. Uh, and they, through that time, were building a relationship just fairly randomly with an elder from the Plains Cree tribe, which is located mostly in northern Saskatchewan and Manitoba, and um, just sharing with them, as friends would, about what they had done in Papua New Guinea. And this elder said, that's what we need in our churches. Um, will you come and teach? Well, I'm going back to Papua New Guinea, and I don't really want to. Probably not. When's your mission conference? I, I think I won't be here. Sure enough, he wasn't going to be there. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, he got a call from the same elder, and the elder said, we've changed our missions conference so you can come and speak before you return to Papua New Guinea. Um, and out of that, out of that relationship and out of that conference was born this desire to create a resource that could be used in indigenous churches in northern Canada that would take Ethnos Canada's foundational Bible teaching approach which usually starts from ground zero, no believers, nobody understands the truth, and would adapt it for a situation where you have known believers, where you have a church, where you have people who believe themselves to be believers, but maybe their foundations are weak. What happens if you have a building and the foundation is poor? What do you do? Anybody know? <laughs> Shore up the foundation. <laughs> Sometimes it's more complicated than that, but we can try with throwing up the foundation. And that's what Establish seeks to do, is to take that curriculum that Ethnos is known for and move it into a context where there is a national church that's weak in its foundations. 
and that's the team that we are going to be joining. So on the next slide, and I will just read it for you. I know you can read it, although in another church somebody told me that they actually couldn't read it because the writing was too small. Um, so I will read it for you. <laughs> this is what establishes um, a foundational discipleship-making series that begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. It provides a step-by-step -step journey in disciple-making so that all people are established in Christ and empowered to disciple. And on the next slide, it shows you some of the challenges that Establish is being created in order to address. Now, this was initially in the Indigenous Church in northern Canada. It has since blossomed so that it's now working its way through other churches, non-Indigenous churches in Canada. And we are starting to field requests for it to be translated and to be used overseas. One of the super cool ones that we are so excited about, and this is another sending country, so not a recipient country of missionaries, but just this week we have heard that um, Ethnos New Zealand would like to start using Establish. <laughs> wow, Lord works in mysterious ways. Um, anyway, so here are some of the challenges that Establish seeks to address. Divisions in the church. Did we ever see that in North Asia? Lack of maturing believers. Again, something we saw so often in our church in Erdnet City. Um, believers who are believers, they understand the truth, but because um, the field that we were in was a very small field and not very much that was good in the way of resources were being translated, they're not growing, they're not being strengthened, they're not maturing, they just don't have those resources. Young people leaving the church, no model for how to do discipleship, and as a result of that, then the world is not being reached. Um, so we thought we would just share with you a little video that was put together. Now this is um, from one of the men who's gone through the early versions of the established curriculum up in northern Saskatchewan, one of the, actually this man is Métis, um, but he lives on a reserve up in northern Saskatchewan, and just how this curriculum has been able to impact his life. People had mistaken me as a nice person. at home um, I wasn't a nice person I was always looking for some kind of comfort in this world holding on to things that were destroying me. For some reason, I couldn't let go of those things because I still had hope in them. I was reading a establish when the Israelites were in Egypt and Pharaoh had a bondage on them and they were living in shame and guilt and fear and they felt so insignificant even after God took them out of Egypt. They were walking around in, that, in, in the wilderness and yet they were still trying to go back to where they were. I was that same person. I was trying to go back to the world. I felt insignificant. 
in our Canadian North. So much of the teaching of God's Word has not been in a way that resonates with their culture, in a way that they learn, the way that they think, scratching the itch of, of who they were as a people and, and giving them a sense of why they're here and where they're going and, and why they exist. So in the spring of 2018, we were invited by Alfred and, and a number of others to come and unpack the teaching of God's Word foundation for them. They opened their arms wide, literally, and said, would you please come? When I found out I had cancer, I went back to the foundations of what I learned and established and how God is in control of everything. And I have absolutely nothing to fear. So established is seeking to bless both the Aboriginal and the non-Aboriginal church with a foundational disciple-making process that establishes them in Christ and empowers them to disciple. So Jason's going to come now and share from the Word a little bit more about being established in Christ. If you have any more questions or you're more interested in learning more about the ministry that we're joining, um, slide number nine, I think. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, you can check out this website. Can you hear me? your hand up if you can hear me and you're awake. <laughs> so a um, couple of, I always like to get a few business things out of the way to start with. The first one is I will not be singing and dancing this morning even though I have this hands-free remote headset. That's just not my style. Secondly, I was asked, you know, to prepare a sermon and I knew we were going to do a ministry update as well. So sorry to say you will not be getting a sermon. You'll be getting a sermonette. Kind of like instead of a cigar, you get a cigarette. Um, again, I don't know why I use that analogy. This is the second week in a row, but there you go. Um, thirdly, just I wanted to say thanks so much for inviting us, for giving us one of your Mission Sunday, for sending and supporting us. There's so many of you that have encouraged us in various ways. Um, I've started switching, this is a confession, I was from doing a manuscript to having notes just to allow the Holy Spirit to change whatever he wants to change in what I've prepared. Um, and so this is actually a modification or a bit of a change from what I did last week in Fenland Falls. The good thing for you is that my memory is failing, and so you probably won't get exactly the same as last week. It will be somewhat different. And I have proof that my memory is failing Many of you will know my good friend, my cousin, Rob Campbell, who had, <laughs> kids are laughing because they know the story, but, and it's a really embarrassing story for me, but, so Rob is a little bit older than me, and his birthday is July 30th. So on Thursday of this week, I thought, it's the 30th. <laughs> so I send Rob a text, and I'm like, happy birthday, <laughs> happy birthday, Rob. And he's like, wow, you're the first one this year. <laughs> He's like, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to stay the same age for another <laughs> another month or so. And it, and then it, it became into, well, as long as, as we don't get Kim messed up, because she's the really old one in the family. <laughs> it's my sister Kim, yeah, she's the oldest grandchild. <laughs> so we would like to, or I would like to just go over a little bit about this name establish. And so this is the sermonette you're going to get. 
this morning, and that's why Jason read from his NIV, because there's a couple of passages in the New Testament that use the word establish. Whenever you're going to talk about a word like this, you, we used to go to our dictionary, now we go to our online dictionary, our good friend Google, punch in establish, and we, you get this graph of how the word establish is being used less in literature over the last 20 to 30 years. And uh, the description you come up with is basically that it's to start something that's going to last. You're starting it in a particular way because you want it to continue on in a particular way. And it's stable and firm. So pretty simple. That's probably what most of us would think of when we think of the word established. That's what I think of. I also immediately go to my farming background and alfalfa is probably one of the only crops that we use the word good establishment or to establish an alfalfa crop, and that's because it's a, a perennial, and those of you who are farmers who know about alfalfa, there's a lot about it that is unique. Uh, next, next slide, Griffin. Um, but there's a few things we're very purposeful in how we get an, an alfalfa established establishment to be successful and that is just by preparing the ground, planting early, um, dry, you don't actually plant it, it's kind of sprinkled into the dirt, it doesn't go into the ground more than a quarter to half an inch and there's a reason for all that, it's a little tiny seed and yet it probably is one of the, it's the deepest root of the plants, the crops that we grow, we grow six to eight feet deep into the ground and I think about how that connects with this passage that Jason read, Ephesians 3, where also another one is Colossians 1, which we'll go there um, after this one. But this whole idea of being deeply rooted and established, and I'd just like to go over um, verses 16 to 18 again. I'm a little taller than Aaron, so I've got to turn this. Um, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down to God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And a few th points I just want to bring out from that. One is that the power comes from the spirit. I'm going to get this out of the way before I keep playing with it. Um, it's not something we drum up within ourselves, this, this power. Oh, if I just try enough, if I'm determined enough, you know, we use our, our willpower. But really, this, um, this deep, deeply rooted power is something that the Holy Spirit does in us as we trust him, as we trust in this foundation of our faith, um, that's where this inner strength and power comes from. Another thing is that, what do they do? Well, they keep us strong and filled with the fullness of God. For us to do good things, not in this passage, this is more talking about, so we'll understand this power at work that is within us. This power that gives us understanding about his love and enables him to accomplish more than we could even imagine. Wow, what a, what a important thing in our Christian life. And I think it's been really highlighted as we've gone through this past couple of years of uncertainty. Um, next slide, Griffin. If you have your Bibles, let's just flip over to Colossians 1, 
21 to 23. Now, our NIV is already packed away for moving to Saskatchewan, and I have an NLT, but I, I've got uh, NIV that I, I downloaded. So let's read it together. Once you were alienated for God, from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So, I mean, this is a gospel in a nutshell here in a couple, in three verses. And, and this is when we talk about, well, what, what does foundational Bible teaching really mean? Well, you, you don't even start with anything in the Bible until you establish what the Bible is. God's word to us, the credibility, the authenticity, um, how it hasn't changed over time. You establish that first with people, and then you can talk about, well, what does the Bible say? Because if it's not a reliable text, why would I even care to do what it says other than to pick and choose a few things? And, and this is the trap we can fall into with someone that is interested in Christianity. We say, here, read the Gospel of John. It's like taking a bit of a responsibility off of ourselves. Read the Gospel of John. There's, there's over 50 references in the Gospel of John to something in the Old Testament that's crit critical for understanding the Gospel. And so, first we talk about who God is in the beginning, God. And that, that's our foundation, not on us, on man. He comes after. But first we talk about God and the importance of him creating us. And, and Aaron was alluding to this about being in the hallway. What does that even mean? Like when we're not doing something, we're supposed to be in ministry and it feels like we're just spinning our wheels and, and waiting on him. Well, if he created us, like anything you've created with your, with your hands, you know, you, you build a, I mean, they often use in a tribal location to teach this, like, whose dugout canoe is this? And the guy who dug it out puts his hand up, it's mine. Uh, and he can do whatever he wants with the canoe. He can light his fire with it, he can, he can float in it, and that's the importance of establishing, well, if God created us, then we're his. And he can do whatever he wants with us. So that's kind of this, this passage um, of Colossians 1, 21 and on is, is talking about we were enemies and we couldn't do anything to save ourselves and yet God in his mercy sent his son to dwell amongst us and that is the foundation we continue in that faith of who he is who we are in our sinfulness and yet by faith he chose to reconcile us to himself or make us right with him so this firm foundation that was established this is our basis of hope like Aaron talked about well we wondered if just the end of the, the hallway, the door at the end, which is like stepping into eternity, is really the only one that's, that's going to open. Well, it's the only one that really matters if it opens for all of us, right? You know, who cares what little room you end up in or if you're in the hallway the whole time? As long as at the end, you walk through into eternity to, to meet your creator. So just to finish this passage, um, when we're studying a scripture, we always look at, well, what does it mean to the original hearers or the, the original readers? And this one is, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So 
That's when they're talking about, or Paul is writing about his own calling to take the good news. So how does this fit in with discipleship making? And so I just going to finish the sermonette part, um, going to Matthew 28. This is the most popular passage that's used. You can go to the next slide, Griffin, in terms of like a missionary calling, go into all the world and make disciples of every people or every ethnos, every people group, um, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And so as you take Paul taking the good news and then you combine that with this call that Jesus um, passed to not just his disciples, but mostly his disciples at that point, was to go and make more disciples. And this is where it really applies to us. Is it like, do, do we go and plant churches? Well, actually, he said to go and make disciples. And part of the, the whole definition of a disciple is that it doesn't end with you, right? There's a, a replication process that's sort of expected or built into this term, disciple. But how do we do that? Like, I'm sure all of you probably have had opportunities with someone that's interested to hear about the gospel, and you're like, where do I start? Like, where's a tool that I can use? I have my Bible here. And yet, it's maybe only until we're quite mature, or even when we're real immature and we've just gone through it with someone else that's mentored us or begun to disciple us, can we, can we replicate that? That, I think, is what excites us about establish is we're going to get equipped with this material that's what we're going to be doing this fall we're going to be um i don't remember the name of these places buffalo narrows is that right yeah buffalo narrows we're going to go and do a 10-month intensive which means once once a month the team goes there and meets with church leaders and disciples them through the curriculum with the goal that they will then take that to their churches and so we get to be a part of that we get to be discipled as we learn how to disciple others and and work through um, this material if you're interested in seeing some of it we did bring a, a copy with us some of the tools that they use Griff if you want to go to the next slide so th this is their sort of the framework of their curriculum because it's a house we're not starting at the roof we're actually starting at at the foundation and moving up, which is your gospel foundations. And the team has completed this one, but there's still seven more levels to be um, written. And I don't know if you want to call it beta testing, that's what they call it, but develop the curriculum and then work, work through a couple of groups with this curriculum and then make adjustments as, as, as needed. Um, so yeah, just start at the foundation and then building upon that, you work towards um, maturity. Uh, next slide, Griffin. Which is just like, you know, of course in my farming background, we're talking about alfalfa, but as you go for plants, seed, sprout, seedling, a young plant to a mature plant, people is the same way. We don't, you know, give birth to adults. We give birth to to babies who go to like infant, baby, toddler, youth, and adult. Math mathematics is similar. And I think as we look back even these last couple of years with COVID, and we've wondered, you know, why are some people responding or reacting really like they are? Um, some of that is level of maturity. And I'm not saying like which position you took on, say, vaccinations, but how you interacted with your fellow believers and with the church 
could be an indication of where you are in your walk of, towards maturity, which is nothing wrong with that, right? These examples, these three examples are totally natural to start as immature and move towards maturity. And that's, I think, exciting for us is to be part of this um, initiative, I guess you could call it, of seeing people move towards maturity. And from Ethno's side, there's a couple of reasons for that. Particularly, they're looking at the Canadian church and like, we don't get a lot of missionaries out of the Canadian churches, and why is that? And so let's, let's switch gears a little bit and let's see the church brought to maturity, and naturally you'll have disciples come out of that, not just to go overseas, but also to impact the world around us. So that is exciting. Um, next slide. This is my last slide for those of looking at your watch. There's no clock here, by the way, which is great because you don't know actually what time you're supposed to finish at. Um, so they provide tools. Some of the curriculum has tools in it just for you to evaluate where your disciple is at in their maturity so you know um, where you're teaching and are they moving Are they moving as you're teaching. There's three elements to it. So you have life in community, which is like a teaching in a group in the church context. You have life on life, where it's like you are one-on-one with your disciple, walking through life with them um, in a, with accountability. And then the third is life on mission, that your disciples are expect, expected to then replicate themselves and disciple others, designed for everyone, not just for church leaders, but getting away from that, um, but to help give a tool that every believer can disciple someone else. Um, and then the last slide is just contact information. They have a website, establishedseries.com, if you want to. There's a few, I think there's at least a couple more testimonials, just give you more, more information. Thank you.